RTL Original Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke where I talk to people who live in Luxembourg, pass through Luxembourg and topics related to our lives here. Now today's topic is one that can affect any couple, the very natural step for many couples to want a child. But for some this is not possible without the help of IVF or other such medical interventions. And for others the gift of a child comes with adoption. So to discuss this, my guests are Zinia Dataroy and Virginie Vast. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. And just to tell our listeners a little bit about your background, Zinia has lived in Luxembourg since 2008, originally from India. She now also holds Luxembourgish nationality and you might know her from the beautiful scarves and other fashion items she creates and sells in Les Sutres. Virginie is half French, half British and married to a Dutchman. She's lived in seven countries, France, Germany, USA, Sweden, Spain, Ireland and Luxembourg, where she's resided for the past 13 years. Currently head of procurement for Europe at Amazon and whilst at Vodafone, now at Amazon, she has created a support group for women and men going through infertility treatment. So we're going to talk about something that has touched both of your lives. It's a a subject that for some people is taboo. And firstly, I just want to say thank you both for being here, for being present and opening up to our audience to tell them about your journeys, willing to share your stories. Why do you think it's important to talk about this openly? First of all, thanks, Lisa, for having us. Right, I think it's, uh, as you say, a topic that is still very taboo, which I think shouldn't be <laughs> now that we're in 2022. Uh, I touched one couple out of six. And I think since the first baby that was born through IVF in 78, 8 million babies were born wow. through infertility treatment. So the first thing to say of why it's important is because we are not alone. I think Definitely not alone. Sense. One in six couples. I had no idea. Absolutely. So I think it's important to raise awareness around this topic. And I think to tell the truth about our body to each other, that uh, things do not always happen like in the book. Well, everybody has their own stories. We all have suffering in some way. Life is not easy. Xenia, turning to you, would you like to share with our audience part of the journey that you went through? Oh, yes. It was a very long and lonely journey, emotionally, physically. A lot of us like to put it private because we don't want to discuss. But I realize you really need a support system and it's very stressful for the couple to go all by themselves. It's important, like Virginie said, that you are not alone. And when you talk it out, it might help somebody else to know, okay, it's not something strange happening with them if they are feeling so low. It happens to everybody. And I feel it's very important to let your colleagues, family, your close friends know because you really can go very highs and lows and without support of your family, friends, as well as work. You need that support and ask for help. So let's talk about that support system that you can have in place as a couple. Virginie, you've created two support groups and through your journey of IVF treatment as a couple, where did you find your greatest support? Because I'm sure that's a very personal thing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's... uh 
It's a very good point, Daniel, you said around being a lonely journey. And there's probably, at least for me, a bit of shame because you think it will happen naturally and it doesn't. And it also puts pressure, of course, on the couple because every time you have hope and that's probably what keeps you going. <laughs> but you also go through this roller coaster of emotion and disillusion and sometimes, you know, going through grief, right, as a couple. So I think... Uh, This process of supporting each other in the couple is first and foremost the most important. There's two sorts of support there. There's the support that you need as a person going through it. There's the support that you need as a couple to go through it. And perhaps for the partner. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, we always talk, you know, about the woman and how you feel through the process. Because as Enya said, it takes a lot of strain on physically, emotionally. But I think for me, it took also a lot of pressure to help my husband go through the process and um, probably because he felt helpless he could see I was going through it and all the medication and when it was not working I see it would hit him even harder because I was going through it I will remember going with the car around the building until I get home to say how will I tell him because I was more afraid of him feeling hurt than myself you know And uh, that was very hard on my husband. I was always trying to cheer him up and say, listen, we'll try again, don't worry. But it's, it takes a lot of uh, strength for the husband and we sometimes tend to forget, you know. Yes, I totally agree because women have their own support system and we speak more easily to our mother, sister, we have friends and we always are more um, open to expressing ourselves. But men, they can't, you know, and they need as much support as us and they feel helpless, like Virginie said. Everything happens in our body and everybody has more sympathy for the woman because they are going through the treatment, but it's the men too who need a lot more support. Well, I said at the top that this is a sort of a taboo subject. It's one that people are not so open about sometimes. But in fact, what might be even more taboo is when the infertility is in the man. Yeah. And I, I was very pleased to read that your support groups that you created at Amazon and Vodafone are for men and women. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, when you talk infertility, right, the way people think women, for the right reason. We carry the child and in some cases, even if the man has let's say, uh, infertility, the treatment is mostly on the woman. And I think probably in our journey, if I may say, it helped. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right word, but knowing that my husband also had a, an, an infertility issue, if I may call it this way, that we were both together almost for a reason. And I think this helped probably because we were both trying to fight to go against, you know, the odd <laughs> to have a child. But the group I opened, for example, at Vodafone and Sam now is a support group in Amazon. I always say this for people that go through infertility and not women. You It's know? the couple, yes. Mm -hmm. It's the couple together, yeah. It's the couple together, hopefully, and hopefully it can make them stronger and not split them apart because I can only imagine what the pressure might be like at times within that, especially when the woman who, who you say ultimately has to go through the treatment because currently only women can have children, although, well, <laughs> well, let's just park that topic to the side. Did you feel any pressure from family or friends who are getting pregnant around you or colleagues at work to have a child? I ask that because when you're going through this, there might have been a time when you wanted to give up and stop trying. But did you feel pressure? And perhaps, Inya, in your culture from India, when a person gets married, maybe it is expected yes. to have a child. It's like, you know, you finish your standard 10, you have to go to 11 and then 12. It's like as obvious as that. You have to move to the next step. But I must say there was no pressure from family or friends. But we as a couple, 
we also know each other for a long time even before we got married and i started having this feeling that we are stuck in one class for a very long time and not able to move we definitely wanted to graduate from being a couple to a family so initially we started because that seemed to be obviously the next step in our relationship but later i started feeling more and more strongly that we needed a child in our life to bring more cheer and you know purpose and mission but yes uh, i'm sure there are people who feel a lot of pressure from family friends and when cousins have children after children very easily i remember going to a birthday parties for children of my friends and then sometimes i did feel a little bit out of place and wondering why i am not able to do the same things you know well they're the internal questions but sometimes you get the external questions coming to you saying why haven't you got a child yet or not perhaps as brutal and blunt as that but somebody might say to you are you thinking of having a child yeah no absolutely in my case at least work was the most difficult to cope with with those question because i think for the family and friends they know you and you know you can tell them your journey so when we got married with my husband and of course you know the expectation right people think oh next year the year after they will try and when they see that you know things do not happen at least we openly talked about it with our family and we explained that it was not going to happen like like you know in my childhood dreams but at least they knew and they were part of this process but i think for me at work was the most difficult because also you grow your career and then you have people saying but you know you shouldn't think so much of your career you shouldn't think of having children why don't you have to want to have a child or maybe in- instead of taking this job that will make you travel a lot you should think of you know your own family and and after a while you get out of uh, of response you don't know what to say anymore so the first year probably say yeah we're thinking of it and then the year after yeah maybe next year or maybe with work. you try to find excuses because you don't know what to say anymore you know gosh that sounds like such pressure and in fact i was thinking that perhaps work is a place that you could get away from it get away from the stress and just think about something else without that being ever present in your mind because i think zinia when we were talking before you said to me that in fact you paused your work in order yes, to focus on this. That's true. I really started thinking that I'm taking my career and profession very seriously and also people thought that's why I'm not having a child. So I didn't want to leave any stones unturned and I thought the stress at work was not helping for sure. So I totally paused my life and thought you get what you focus on, but uh, on the hindsight that was a wrong decision. I left everything and took this treatments in fertility treatment is very exhausting and it needs a lot of time and effort but I focused so much on it that it seemed like forever and every failure brought me even more misery so I would really suggest and advise to all the ladies don't stop your life and this needs a lot of attention time but you can manage it for sure because yeah. too much that also creates stress that you are totally focusing on the milk to boil and the milk is taking forever to boil it was like that it seconds and minutes it was getting difficult to i was just focusing on needles and treatment and everything which was not helping mm-hmm. it's true it's very true what you're saying because i think work became my my best friend and my worst enemy if i may say in that process because as you say when sometimes i needed to think of something else work was the best way to think of something else especially if you have a busy job yeah. you would just mm-hmm. stop thinking yeah. of this process but on the other hand work and the process 
it's a very strong puzzles of you know logistical medical appointment and when you have to travel i mean i can probably inject myself anywhere <laughs> I inject myself on the plane because you need to inject yourself, if Same I may time. say, at a very specific time. Same. And work does not care if you need to inject yourself or not, right? So, well, you've both picked up on a, some really important points there. Just going back to you, Xenia, you said that in retrospect, you feel like you made the wrong decision putting your life and your career on hold. But on the other hand, you know that you did all that you could yes, at that time. Yes, I didn't want to come to a point where I thought that I didn't do my 100%. And you did 100%. Yeah, yeah. But in that period, psychologically, it sounds as though you, you went down a little bit. Oh, yes. There were um, failures after failures. Like Virginie said, every time you say, because throughout the treatment, you need to feel very positive and you have to have hope. And there is a lot of pressure not from other people, but you yourself, you feel for all those, the body to accept the embryos and everything happening. It's like in you and you are the only one doing it, but it's not like that. It's the science, the doctors, the facilities of the, the laboratories. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things, but at that moment, you put everything on yourself. And I felt, oh, maybe I sneezed too hard and the embryo just went away, you know, or I turned very quickly and there was so much of pressure and I kept, after failure, kept going into very deep, dark place. And I really feel that it's very, also the hormones create a lot of havoc. You lose all your self-esteem and confidence. And I think it's normal if you have gone through these treatments and you feel like this, don't feel too much pressure because it happens what is important is to come out of it and I would say I was in that place which um, was not me and very dark place for almost one and a half two years I had a lot of anxiety attack and I had a lot of self-confidence and self-esteem issues I dealt with it's so kind of you to share that publicly and it takes an incredibly brave person to say that. So thank you. And on that point, and I'm going to come back to that to find out how you brought yourself out of that dark place. But Virginie, everything that Xenia's just described and what you are explaining about having to inject yourself on the plane and work keeps going, work doesn't care. I want to know, did you get support from your workplace? What can a workplace do to support women and couples going through this? Was it present for you or how did you cope with all of these hormonal fluctuations and continue to work? Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, I did not ask help at work, probably because I felt ashamed or I thought I was alone. <laughs> so I just carried on and did the work. So I did not talk about it with anyone at work, but I talked about it with a colleague that is a friend. And I told her, listen, when I'm not here tomorrow, can you help me to cover because I will be at the hospital? So it was more like, a friend to be able to help me when I was off sick because you have to take sick days, right? <laughs> there is no infertility days <laughs> to be off work. So I had to take sick days and tell my manager that I was not feeling well when I was actually going, you know, to different places to get the treatment. So at least I wanted her to know. So she, she know if something would happen. So she's followed me through that journey, but that's because we were a friend and she was here to help, but otherwise not. So that's why when it finally worked, because it's also a story of hope, and people said, oh, finally you got a daughter, but you know, you're already 37 and all this story. I said, you know what, I'm going to tell you my story, because I had enough to actually hide it, and the pressure was off 
I could say what I went through. And then I said, never again, I can leave women or men in the workplace in silence. And I think this is what pushed me to say, I'm going to create a working group or a support group. And then in, in Vodafone, I said to my, to my manager, listen, I want to create this group. HR surprisingly was like, why do you want to create this group? You know, and I think, <laughs> and but I think I don't, you know, I don't blame them. I think when you don't go through the journey and it takes you two weeks to get pregnant, you probably don't understand the magnitude of it. So I did not blame her for this reaction. Oh, it is a woman as well. Yeah. So I thought she would kind of understand better, but she said, I'm not quite sure what we can do to help. It's unfortunate, but it's still the reality that if you don't go through it, it's difficult to apprehend the, the journey. And then I did a, like a, not a podcast, it was actually a video. It was for uh, International Women's Day and it was actually a global video. So it was a global program. And then after the video was on, my email in inbox completely blew. Like it went viral. I had women from all over the world writing to me say, it's the first time in Vodafone someone talks about it and I'm on that journey and me too and me too. And, and I said, come on, this is why we need to do it. You know, even if it helps only one woman that helps another one that helps another one, it's already a much bigger journey. So in Vodafone in Luxembourg, we were seven women and out of those seven, five got a baby in, in the last seven years. And every time someone got a baby, they call me and even last week, Someone in Vodafone, even though I'm not there anymore, wrote a message to me, said, this little man is mine. And it worked. And for me, this is the biggest success. You're giving me goosebumps as you tell me that story, actually. I wanted to return to you, actually, Xenia. When you were talking about that dark place where you felt so alone and you weren't in work at that time, how did you cope and what helped you come out of that place? So it was so long and it took me a while to make it a habit and I decided that this is not me and I have to end this. Every morning I would get up and I realized I have to just work for that day, uh, telling me to be happy with or without a baby. And the moment I changed myself, I then realized that colors, fabrics, threads, these make me very happy and took my mind off. And at the same time, I met these some amazing women artists in India whose work and embroidery was so beautiful that I wanted to take it to the world. My work really helped me then and helps me now to be on the right track. And it's a creative outlet as well, which I always feel is so Absolutely. very healing. And colors me. always makes me happy, fabric, touch, feel. And, you know, I also started uh, giving back to the society, especially for children. So for the education of children and that I probably would not have felt so strongly about children and how much we can help giving back to the society if I didn't go through this journey myself. And there was a particular child who is autistic in India and we started sponsoring him. And after that, things really started getting better. So I think it's always good to do good to the society. And that's such a lovely thing to say, because of course, if the journey of having a child doesn't come to you as a couple, you can help the journey of other children and so many other children who are in great, great need. And I just want to go right back to the beginning of these journeys, really. When you meet somebody, <laughs> the first thing in your mind is not necessarily thinking, how fertile are you? I want a child because it, it doesn't kind of pop into your head. Sure. And also for women nowadays, many of us get the chance to be educated. That takes time. And then we build a bit of a career. That takes time. And so by the time we eventually want to settle down, 
down. We are older than perhaps generations that have gone before. And biologically, I think many of us know, well, perhaps many of us don't know that there is a natural drop off for women at 35 in fertility. And then many of us in our 20s, early 30s, we don't talk to our mothers about uh, when their menopause started, etc. So we don't always know our own fertility. We just as you said, Virginie, expect this to happen to us. And sometimes it doesn't. And we don't know the fertility of our partners or husbands, etc. So what can you say to the point that when you meet a person, at what point should you start talking about fertility? No, it's a very good point because none of us imagine that we would be infertile. We think it's one time and it's all sorted out. But uh, <laughs> when you, first of all, it's very difficult to accept this word infertile, you don't feel woman enough or you don't feel man enough. It's a very big emotional trauma. But I would really advise that when people meet and they think of babies and they want, okay, I want a child after five years. But what is important is to get yourself medically checked by doctors so that they tell you that, okay, normally it should not be difficult. Or they can warn you that for a person with your system, maybe you should not wait too long or, you know, there could be these kind of complications. So then instead of waiting for five years, you may reduce it to one year or two years or you're mentally prepared rather than starting after five years. And it's a shock to you that, oh, my God, this can happen to you never imagine this happens and you lose a lot of your fertile period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not because knowing. that, that so, fertile period for women in particular is such a small window by the time we've potentially met a partner, etc, etc, etc. And the other thing I wanted to talk about to you both is, did either of you look at the idea of adoption in parallel to IVF treatment? And do you think that's a good idea or not? Because as we know, IVF highs and lows can work, may not work. True. I think Virginie would also agree that uh, you should start the adoption process as soon as you start the fertility, infertility treatments, because adoption is also a very long process and it takes the pressure off the infertility treatments as well. What do you think? No, absolutely. absolutely. I think, I mean, first of all, it's a personal choice, right? So you need to feel that you'd be able to take on another child. Exactly, because it's still, you know, a different process. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, like it was for Zenia, we went through the process as well. Uh, I think also because after the years, we thought we don't want to live without a child. And if the process doesn't work, then let's turn, you know, to adoption because for us, there was no way forward without a child. But what we knew is that whatever happened, we would stay together, right, with my husband. So it could be a foster child, it could be adoption. There is different way to become a parent, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to give birth or adopt. There is a lot of other way to be parent. But yes, absolutely, we did the same. Uh, it takes time. We were on the waiting list. And actually, I think the process of adoption taught us a lot a lot more than IVF to be parents, funny enough, because you go to this adoption center, they ask you why you want to be parents, what it takes to be parents. It's almost like a, a parenting school, you Gosh, know. It sounds like a, a very good course. <laughs> yeah. And if, you know, at the end, we did not adopt because we got the chance that it worked and we wanted to give our space, if I may say, in the process to a family that didn't have children, mm-hmm. we learned a lot from the process. Learn a lot as a couple. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are a late parent, you friends and cousins, everybody already has children. It really gives you time 
to <laughs> study the other parents how they are bringing up and we had a lot of case studies and we always <laughs> discussed and we made wiser choices in some way because <laughs> we had time to see what we could do and what we may not do you were lucky <laughs> i would say i went into it rather blindly <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> for my poor girls. <laughs> um I want to turn to another perhaps taboo topic perhaps the cost of IVF. I mean I've got many many friends in the UK who went through the process because they had careers, they were having families later and fertility was not so easy for them and one dear friend um who very sadly passed away recently I remember her saying to me that um one road in Chiswick where she lived they used to call it IVF road because so many people there had had um IVF to have their families and uh, God bless her and her children but I just wanted to talk about the cost of IVF because in the UK it's very very expensive which means that only people who are well off enough can afford to have continual cycles so mm-hmm. tell me about the cost Yes it's very expensive especially if you're not in Luxembourg for example in India IVF is really very expensive and it must be putting a lot of pressure on couples to be able to manage and when you do more than one cycle i'm sure when you lose um the chance that chance of not having a child that treatment goes totally waste so it's a big hole in your pocket as well as emotionally no absolutely and i think this is probably the luck of us i mean me and my husband to be in luxembourg you know many times we say to each other probably worse so in luxembourg for a reason right because <laughs> he's dutch and i'm i'm french and we we met here but in luxembourg i have to say i mean it's it's wonderful <laughs> the good summary related to support and taking you know the reimbursement process so in luxembourg actually you can go through the medication i have the treatment see the specialist and everything is mostly reimbursed i mean you have the cns but you also have if you want to, to have a complementary like a mutual health uh, support which basically cover almost all the costs wow that's amazing yeah yeah i mean it's a small portion that you still have to pay but it takes this off your head right yeah. so if people for example do not have the means to be able to go through the process at least in luxembourg it takes this off your head if i may yes, say for more sure. the it's a big strain for couples otherwise outside of luxembourg for sure and that way we are very grateful that luxembourg has given that opportunity to all parents that's really absolutely remarkable in yeah. fact and there is a, a process as well i mean if people listen and they are based in luxembourg and they wonder how to do and uh, there is also a process where you can go probably anywhere in europe through a formula called s2 you basically ask your gynecologist or your doctor to say okay that you cannot have the treatment in luxembourg could be for many reason there's a lot of different treatment you can have in different countries yeah we haven't gone through the medical differences there's many i know that yes. there's many many differences but we're just going on the overview of the infertility spectrum but we're not going to dive down into the different medical Absolutely. areas but through this uh, through this formula of s2 that you can ask your gynecologist you can then go abroad if i may say so another country in europe and i think it's very important to know because with this support group i had in vodafone and in amazon i had people asking me but where did you go where did it work which doctor is making the and did you go abroad yeah uh, we went abroad and it was actually a recommendation from a doctor here to say a bit for lost cases if i may say i laugh <laughs> i laugh now but there is a specific doctor in belgium you can go to and he made miracle you know even people that were 
like um, menopause that had the period again and probably the same for Zania but when you are desperate you will go anywhere for hope mm -hmm. uh, well Belgium is not too far no it's true <laughs> it's true but I send already you know a couple of people every time people ask me I give the name Probably I could get a commission from that doctor. I'm sure you can. <laughs> but I have also colleagues that went to Greece, some other that went to Denmark, because if you're the same sex couple, you, there's also some country where you cannot do the IVF. I think Luxembourg gives this opportunity to get reimbursed also going abroad. That's really extraordinary. And is there a limit on how many cycles of treatment you can have? Yes. So in Luxembourg for the insemination, back then, because it's like almost 10 years ago now for me, but it was seven rounds and it, it was five rounds of IVF. Yeah. And actually on that point, I mean, apart from cost, emotionally, how many rounds do you think a person can take? I mean, that, that's that's an impossible question because it no, depends on a person's no, no, it's hope. A, and, uh, I think you need to, if I take it as a, on the personal, through my process, I think you need at some point to listen to your body. Personally, if I listen to my head, I would say, let's try again and let's try again, let's try again. And we did like nine years of IVF with Gosh. my husband. Wow. And you know, sometimes your body is giving you signal to say you have to stop. You feel sick or you cannot take medication anymore. Your body rejects the medication. And I think I was telling you, Lisa, but once we did a process and I think it was like six months in between or something because we got the chance, we did it and then my body started to go wild. <laughs> Could not understand anymore all the medication and I got really sick. So they took me to the clinic and I was in the maternity. I was in a room with a mom that just got a baby and all night I heard the baby crying. And I think the psychological suffering of the process, I was sick there, not feeling well in my body. But the most traumatic thing from that process was the fact of being there mentally seeing all this baby crying. And I remember the nurse said, uh, oh, but you're going through IVF. It's good. It prepares you for the future. You need to be ready. That will be your future, you know. And of course, she didn't mean wrong. But I think to hear those babies when you are trying and trying, it doesn't work, I think was the biggest suffering. And I said to my husband, take me out of this maternity. It's unbearable. I prefer to be feeling unwell at home than staying in the maternity. To go back to your question, listen to your body. When your body says stop, but your mind, because you are so willing to have a child, wants you to continue, listen to your body. It's so important. I would really say that it's, um, of course, your body tells you. And also as a couple, you have to just say that there is more to life and you cannot put your body and the couple both of you so much of trauma. I would say you have to decide as a couple what is the de timeline, deadline and not take a pause if needed. Don't think too emotionally also because at the end you should also live your life. You cannot put yourself through so much. Sometimes there is some other mission maybe because at that time, like you said, Virginia, you really say, okay, next time I'm going to win, next time it's going to happen. But somewhere you have to, as a couple, stand by the decision that maybe only this many times and not beyond, because it does create havoc with your body and life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you feel like your life is on hold through that period of time? It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And do you feel like it might be, well, I don't want to use the word wasted time, but how do you reflect back on that time? I think it's... Uh it's a funny time when I look back in the sense that everything in our life was scheduled. 
So there is no room for craziness or surprise and stuff because you have a planning to follow every month. Medication, medical appointment, when you can or not have relationship with your husband. Everything is a calendar. Right. Gosh, just just walk us through, because for those of us who don't understand that, just give us a little flavor of what that calendar is like then, because so, I've, I've got no idea apart ah, from the overview. So, for example, so when I mean, then I don't know about you, but when you go through the process, so you have to sometime months in advance, get your body ready. So it could be, for example, to put you in the artificial menopause, makes your body on hold. So that when you prepare the treatment, it creates a bit of a shock for your body and then you get more overseat and you can create, you can be more fertile when you start. So you can go through the process where you have to take medication. And then when you start the process, basically you have a period where you have to inject yourself, right, to create more ovocyt. There is a period where they take the ovocyt outside of your body, they make it meet <laughs> with, you know, the little one from your husband, they put it back in. And then after you have two weeks, which are for me the longest week ever in my life, those two weeks of every cycle where you have to wait, right? To know the result and you also have medication to take so what i mean by this is that when you inject yourself you have to be every two days at the clinic i was in boller for me because it was in luxembourg at seven on the morning and you know all the women at seven are the women that go through ivf i was going at seven because you go before the normal hour of the clinic and before you can go to work so already from a process you have to be every two days at seven o'clock at the hospital inject yourself have different timing every two days for how long uh it takes it depends on the cycle it could be two to three weeks Oof. yeah and when you travel a lot for work you need to find the hospital to do the echo abroad so i have a lot of address in london in budapest all the places i used to go for work where i would know where to go at the hospital before going to work because you cannot miss a date otherwise the process is gone and then there are Time where you, of course, cannot have relationship with your husband. So you wait. And sometimes where you must have the relationship. So we must arrange our time. So I do not travel and my husband either to be here on the same day to do it at the exact time. So it's it's a real logistic, you know, of, uh, of action. And then the two weeks after where you wait, you also have medicine to take. And then you get the answer. And if the answer is negative, you wait a period and you start again. And I remember when I... When I got pregnant at the end, my husband and I laughed and we said, oh, how are we going to do now? <laughs> we have no more appointment. <laughs> there is a, like, how is it? You know, not like, how is it? But you know what I mean? We what almost are you going to do with the time? <laughs> that you can actually have a relation when you want, that we don't have to go to the hospital. I mean, we had to because I was pregnant, but... You know, it's strange to have the a life. was gone. Yeah, and to have a life without all those appointments. And I could go to work every day without to think of a doctor or going to the clinic. It was like a new world. We almost, because we were maybe a year and a half together before we decided to have a family. So it's like our life was this planning of medical appointment. Gosh, that's extraordinary. On top, it was also a, a lot of advices from family and other parents. Don't eat this and eat this, <laughs> you know, so keep true. your body cool. And the, if you eat this, it will heat up your body and the embryo will be rejected. So there was so much of pressure, what you eat, how quickly you walk, yes. how you should sleep, how you should get up, because, you know, you wanted to do it all correct. Sometimes it was difficult to breathe. <laughs> 
Uh, Absolutely. Because it's, what no, if it's so it's, true. So it uh, you know interferes with the, <laughs> with so the implantation. True. Yeah. No, no, and it's 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 mad, but in a way you are so desperate. I mean, for me that you want to try everything, you look at everything that worked for the other, and now that you said it makes me smile because it's true. I remember they say, but you need to eat pineapple 14 days after the implant. You need, you know, when you have a relationship, put your legs up and don't move, <laughs> and you know all this. And when the embryo is on, you cannot, you know, take the stairs. So every time I was going somewhere, I was looking for the elevator because you have to do the least exercise as possible. So the embryo takes and and you lay down. And my husband was giving me food in the sofa. And yeah. but it's true now that I think back. All those things, like it's keep yourself warm or lose weight or all those things that makes you completely go insane. But oh you gosh. take every advice in the hope. You, you want take, to do it all correct. Absolutely. DHEA, which is a pill to make your kind of your youth back. You take this, you take everything you can. And when it doesn't happen, the disappointment and you blame yourself. Oh, maybe I got up too early from the bed or I sneezed too loud. It can be... It's so difficult. It sounds like absolute mental trauma to yourself that you're putting on yourself. Most of it is self-inflicted. But yes, at that moment, you want to do it all correct. I'm also thinking of the couples that don't succeed in staying together through this process because it's so hard. You are both lucky. You've got very supportive partners who saw you through this very difficult and long period of time and through periods of feeling very low and um, they were walking in parallel alongside you. What was the journey like for them? Mm. And like we mentioned, for men, they also feel very lonely and helpless and they need a lot of support. And sometimes this makes the couple stronger because you go through it together. And I'm sure there are couples who feel the strain of this treatment on their relationship also. But we were fortunate that this brought us together even mm-hmm. more closer. You are lucky. But it, it is, it is uh, putting a lot of strain in your couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I won't lie because of course, right, when you have uh, this disillusion or as you say, you know, you go through this grief process, you have to put yourself together, your husband together, your family that is, you know, feeling sad for you. You know, it's a it's a lot of people to hold on top of yourself. Yeah, you know? I remember you talking about driving round and round because you didn't yeah. want to upset your husband. No, exactly. But I think, I mean, absolutely, you are only together, or it breaks you apart. It's undeniable. Yeah. The process is so putting your You're couple right. into a string absolutely. that a break or make. You know, <laughs> you're dealing with your emotions, your partner, your family. You see them. They also built up hope and they are praying for you, their disappointment. And I also saw the look of disappointment on my doctor because it's a failure for them as well in a way. Even if they don't want to show it, but sometimes they are also very involved with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. And I think uh, at the beginning, because it was very heavy, because you kind of hope it will work the first time. And if not, you say, oh, probably the second time. And then you say, oh, the third time is a charm type of story. And then you, you stop, you know, having this excitement. But I think w- with my husband, we thought, OK, what can we do? to prevent ourselves from going mental, to your point. Because the family send you a WhatsApp at every date of the calendar because they leave the process with you. So my mom will say, good luck for this appointment. My mother-in-law will say, good luck at the hospital, good luck with the surgery. And I was like, oh my Lord, you know, because everybody's writing to you and they do it for the good reason. But you know, to have to explain to five or six people that it didn't work and I feel sorry. And you're like, don't feel, it's, we could not anymore. So what we say with my husband, we said, okay, we'll tell the family that we'll do it and we won't talk about it anymore. 
right, with them. It became our process. It was only the two of us. And this took already a lot of pressure out of our shoulder. And we thought we should have done it from the start. We should have not put, I think we did it because the family was asking, oh, do you want a child? And we explained it was not working. So then we made them feel part of the journey so they could understand. But I think when we look back, we thought, let's not involve them. And that helped us a lot. Because but you made a good decision. I mean, you went through it both ways. And for some people, this again is very personal. And it depends on the couple and, and so many other things. Sometimes people can help. They can be your support group. And sometimes they take energy away from you. Yeah. So it's yeah. finding the right balance for you in that process. Exactly. So we kept only few people because we needed their support. So my little sister, for example, she was always there because I know when I was sad, she would be fine and she was a support or my friend at work, you know. But we decided to stop telling, for example, our parents because it was taking too much string on us. And then another thing we said is that, okay, if it doesn't work on the cycle, we will choose a destination anywhere in the world that make us both super happy and forget about it. So every time it will not work, of course it was hard. We will cry, we will hold each other and say, where do we go? And that's why we went to Bali, we went to Thailand. We picked a destination where we'll forget about everything. No more treatment, something fun, something where we you know, could love each other like a normal couple. And I think that's bring a lot of nice memory because that's now so when nice. we look at it, we're like, oh, it was Bali, oh, I was that year. Oh, I was Thailand, oh, I was that year. Because of <laughs> Of course, you but know, how lovely you turned a negative into a really lovely yeah. positive. That's wonderful. Well, I mean, gosh, you've given us so much information. But when people want to find information here in Luxembourg, give them a little roadmap. Where should people go first of all, apart from their gynecologist, I suppose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the first, as you said, the first thing is to go to gynecologist. And I say, I would take absolutely the advice of Zenia, you know, to go and check yourself. When I have younger women or that talk to me at work and say, oh, I love your journey. How did you find out? I say, unfortunately, found out the hard way. But I said, don't wait. I always tell anyone, don't wait. Check yourself just to make sure everything is fine. Actually, you've just made me think, in fact, as we move into the future and different varieties of relationships. And there will be women out there and men as well, I'm sure, who may want to bring up a child on their own. Mm -hmm. And I suppose a woman can get checked for their fertility at any point in their lives. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. 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 And that's what I said. Yeah, I said, anyone that come to me when they're, even when they're young, I say, oh, but I'm only 29. I said, don't wait. Check. Well, check. Only 29. I think it was my grandmother's <laughs> advice, which passed down to my mother, which passed down to me, which was that in that generation, you should have your first child before 30. Yeah. And in fact, they weren't wrong biologically because at 35, the, there is literally a graph that plummets. Yeah. And yeah. I am surprised at how many women don't know that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we are very lucky, if I may say, to live in a generation where technology and advance of medicine can help us tremendously. Probably a year, 100 years back, we will have not had any child, right? Because this technology didn't exist. And I know now you can, as you say, if you're a single parent, you can freeze your egg and then wait until you find someone. And if you don't find someone, you can also have a child on your own, right? Sure. Which is things probably 100 years ago, it would be completely out of any reality. Yeah, even, you know? yeah, absolutely. In so many ways, you would have been shunned from society. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can do the same. 
same for for the men, right? I mean, mm -hmm. with my, my my husband, we have uh, spermatozoid frozen somewhere in Luxembourg because it also affects men. And if men have less and less, and it can happen if, for example, you have a disease, I have a friend, her husband got a cancer. It was the only way to be able to to save that possibility. and for her to be to be pregnant. So I think we should embrace medicine, embrace technology that we have today. And to your point, where to go? I would say first go to your gynecologue. Absolutely in Luxembourg talk about it there are centers of um, IVF or infertility in Luxembourg in CHL uh, in Boller and then connect with people there's support group now like your podcast and Sans Lisa <laughs> because this is the first step for people right to say yeah someone has gone through it and openly right when the podcast will be live if people want to reach out to me Absolutely. They have my name. I'm in Luxembourg. I can give advice. And this is how we help each You're other. You're going to be inundated, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we need to help each other because I also reach out to some women in the process that I met every two days in Boller. And <laughs> we became kind of friends because we were seeing each other year after year after years. And I think this support, we need to do that to each other. That's the worst thing we did to each other. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Yes, and also there is support groups on the internet too. Sometimes when you, like you said, you don't want to involve too much your family and people you know immediately and talking to somebody you don't know at all could be easier because nobody's judged. Yeah, that distance. Life. And so, yet they're going through the same journey medically exactly. and emotionally. Exactly. So there are a lot of support groups even online. And of course, in Luxembourg, even I went to CHL and had a very good experience. So... Absolutely. Even when I started 10 years ago, it was difficult to connect with people. Someone will say, I know someone who went through. It was like, you know, the <laughs> secret path to find out who did it. Now, if you Google it and you put in Fertility Luxembourg, I'm sure there is a lot of resources already. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you two have been so great to come here and share this story, which I know has taken years of your life. But, um, you know, I think they're rich years in a way when I think about what you've gone through and the the peaks and the troughs. You've both succeeded in many ways. You've both got your beautiful daughters. You, Xenia, have built a fantastic business that many, many people know in Luxembourg. And we look at your beautiful scarves and very much more. So we'll put a link to that, of course, on the website. And you are a powerhouse, Virginie, wherever you are, in whatever company you are, you're, you're flying the flag. <laughs> I can clearly see it must have been a very big struggle for you to listen to your gut feeling over your head because you're such a driven force of nature. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you, we will have strong daughters. I, 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 yeah, I was yeah, thinking you know, that. We fight it to have them. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> They're very lucky to have you as parents. Mm -hmm. Any final words to our audience? I would like to say that, like we already mentioned, put a deadline and don't go beyond that. Sometimes life has different mission. Of course, being a parent is very important, but not at the cost of something else, your happiness or health. Science is really advanced and have all the hope and go ahead for it. But just in case, if it doesn't happen, make your life outside of this as well. You have a responsibility for yourself too. That's a lovely, lovely thing to end on. And Virginie? Yeah, for me, I would say really don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let anyone tell you that it will not work. Even if there is only 1%, take this 1%. Don't give up. It will happen. Miracle happen. So please don't give up. Believe in yourself. Thank you both so much for your time and sharing your very special and precious journeys. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Lisa.